Anyway, yeah, welcome to a new week. Welcome to Monday, and it's a beautiful Monday as well. Mm, absolutely. And uh, again, like Carl said, welcome to the BBO show. Uh, first off the bat, if you are listening to us for the first time, there's an amazing Slack group that we have in place. Mm-hmm. And that's where if you have any questions, because sometimes me and Carl can, can talk at different levels into the subject that we're talking about. So this week's going to be into business specifically, and we can talk into those subjects. And sometimes we can go in, in depth, and but we also don't know your own personal circumstance. So if you are feeling like, oh my God, I've got some questions immediately off the back of this, then come and chat to us in the Slack group that is in the description below. And don't forget that the reality is where we are at the moment. Number two is coronavirus is going on. We're all in lockdown. We may be strapped for cash. We may have more time on our hands to learn something new or leverage that time to make some more extra cash. And you're not sure how to make cash without leaving your house um, physically. How do I do this? Well, actually, we researched and put together a massive list of 200 different ways, which we have commentated on um, to provide you a bit of guidance on how to access that and get started. That's in the description below as well. That's basically an ebook which is on for 99 pence, one pound or, or dollar if you're in the US and or buying it abroad. And also there's a public list with 300 items, no commentary. However, there's a big list there, links and a few categories so you can start to research yourself. So whatever the circumstance you're in, uh, we've got you covered with that list to start generating some cash online. All you need is a Wi-Fi connection and a laptop. Awesome. Right, Carl, what are we talking about this week? If you've spent any time with us at all, you know that Hams and I and our business, we use a framework called the Baton framework. So very briefly, I'm not going to go into great detail on it, but very briefly, it is uh, business, audience, tribe, offer, and network. The first element of the framework that we teach, and this is a framework for starting an online business, um, really any online business, the first element is business because people often forget that an online business is still at its heart a business it needs to make sense as a business and then we lay on top of that certain online tools and techniques but it still needs to be a business and we have people approach us and we work with people who um, may not have put down the groundwork to work out what the business is before um, they start an online business. So that's what we're going to focus on this whole week. Um, it's extremely foundational. We're going to be going through what a business is and how you define your business uh, for the greatest amount of success. And while this sounds extremely rudimentary, um, and it is rudimentary, it's also fundamental for your later success. The later levels of the process, you can tweak around, you can make uh, changes, you can improve things, you can scrap ideas that aren't working, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. You can make changes, but if the fundamental business at the heart of it all isn't working, or it's not a good business, uh, we'll define what that is in a minute, then it doesn't matter. You can, you can tweak whatever you want, and it's not going to make a difference if the underlying business um, does not uh, does not stack up. We talk about, uh, without being rude, we call, a, call it a polishing a turd so you can do as much polishing and prettying up as you want, um, as much improvement and optimization on your business. But if the underlying uh, business isn't sound, it doesn't matter. It's a waste of time and it's a waste of money. So we're going to spend a whole week going through the process of how you make sure 
that your business idea, your product idea, your market, all of these core elements are locked down so that you can then build your online business upon this solid foundation. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's there's a there's a topic here that we're discussing this week and we'll be diving and we're spending a week on it. So we're gonna go into some detail. But this is also a topic that people, entrepreneurs out there or people uh, selling a tool and technique, and this will make sense later on, selling something which will give you the magic pill in order to provide you the success or the cash to create an online business. Now, they don't like to talk about this subject and not quite sure why that is. I mean, I'm sure we'll have our opinions on that. Again, we can talk about that later. Yeah, I know why it is. <laughs> <laughs> but go on. We'll, we'll reveal that later so you can ha hang into the show with us. Um, but that it's not discussed for various reasons. And, but without this, like Carl says, there's nothing to build off, which is why it's the first element as part of the baton system, which we teach and we've been sharing for weeks now and slotting elements in. Now, what we'll do during this week, we'll be pulling on our own experience, working with clients, building online businesses, some that have had wins, some that have started, and we've stopped some that have just failed because of reasons that we'll talk about today. Um, some are also pulling upon our clients' businesses. So one is a consultation basis where we get to go into a company and say, okay, that's phenomenal. Uh, how did that start? Okay, well, it started here within this, this particular business idea. It started there, it grew from there, which is fantastic. We'll also be looking at experts who are masters in the subject of business, but don't have the same limelight as somebody constantly advertising the next new shiny tool and technique within the online business world. They don't have the same limelight, so they don't actually get the same attention. And this topic is completely stepped, is completely missed. Um, and what was interesting, Carl, was uh, yesterday I was catching up on uh, Berkshire Hathaway's Warren Buffett's annual meeting, which, which was hosted in a really bizarre but fantastic way where he's still sitting in front of the stage in the same arena, but there's nobody in the arena. And this, this attracts hundreds of thousands of people. But one of the things he spoke about in that is talking about a topic like this. And, and the reason I talk about this example is it helps highlight how this is not spoken about in the online business world, which is he spoke about the fact that there's some fantastic experts in the world. Uh, and I made a note yesterday of a few names just so... Uh, people like where is where is this people like um, Sam Nunn, Paul Volcker, and what they do, Sam Nunn specifically, what they've been working on is uh, in the background projects which help support the world, the globe, the US against global pandemics, against nuclear warfare, things that are extremely high risk. Um, alongside people like Bill Gates who are talking about the subject as well, and they have done for many years. However, I can't remember the correct date, but Sam Nunn was talking about this five, six, seven years ago and posted the lecture onto YouTube. Now, he's already laid out everything that we're now experiencing now with foresight. With This is his job to protect the globe or the US or whatever against things like this. The, it didn't even hit a 1,000 views at the time of... Uh, Warren Buffett describing it. Now, that is no different to somebody talking about what we are speaking about this week, the fundamental business concepts which allow you an online business success. Mm -hmm. 
It's whereas, not sexy. It's not sexy. Whereas somebody talking about a COVID-19 conspiracy theory has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views. So that's shiny, that's exciting, that's entertaining, but actually it's built on a true foundation of what we're speaking about this week. So hopefully that gives you some context on how things as important as this are just not discussed um, mm. because they're not ex they don't seem to be exciting. Um, but somebody once told me that once your business, uh, a mentor that I've worked with, once your business is boring, once your business becomes uh, consistent, routine-like, then you've, then you've nailed it. Like, yeah. Well done. Like, that's where the money is. That's where the money is. You've turned a, a, something into a boring cash machine, a ATM, which is boring. You go to put some numbers in, give you some cash. You've created that. Um, now, it doesn't play on our excitement. It doesn't attract us to the shiny items. But the moment you hit that, you've now, quote unquote, made it in the sense that you've got a successful business that's operating. It just may seem boring to everybody else. Mm. So hopefully that helps as a good introduction for today. And uh, let me just define the goal. Uh, actually, over to you, Carl. I've, I've, I've been speaking about this example because I just discovered it yesterday. Over sure. to you to talk about what's the goal of this week. Hilariously, you're talking about um, boring businesses. When I used to uh, trade or invest, that's mainly trading on the stock market, there was a, a really boring company called Rotork. So Rotork, let me read their Google thing. They design and manufacture electric electric valve actuators, pneumatic valve actuators, and hydraulic valve actuators and gearboxes to manage the flows of liquid. <laughs> so boring. But this company, this company was just making bank, just mm. huge amounts of money, huge cash reserves, and they were doing something extremely boring. Now, we're not saying that your business is necessarily very boring, but when you get to that level, um, where you're out of the excitement of trying the new thing and working out what's going to uh, be the next best thing um, and your business is chugging along, making money, that means you've made it. Um, mm. And we're going to be showing you the foundations for doing that in any niche. Um, and yes, as Hans has mentioned, this stuff is not discussed that much. This is the Sam Nunn. This is the, the kind of boring stuff. I, I bet Sam Nunn's video has got a lot of views now, but previously. Well, now Warren spoke about it, but I don't know how many people will see it through because it's going to be boring. It's a boring subject. Yeah. It's like some of these books on this bookshelf, I sometimes have to force myself through, like that one, Capital. Boring as hell, but full of things that I should know, that I should be aware of, which may affect us in decades to come. And like uh, The Inconvenient Truth, the movie by um, Al Gore, which is basically a PowerPoint presentation. Um, it is extremely boring, but important talking about climate change. And this was 15 years ago. He was yeah. kind of, this, yeah. this is an issue. And we were like, yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me about it in an entertaining way or tell me about it in a, in a meme or a Facebook ad. Then I'll be interested. Um, so a lot of online people who teach online business or talk about online business, they will do so from in front of their sports car or um, they'll be waving their phone around showing you their earnings and they will talk about the sexy parts the I don't need to work uh, I make money automatically um, I follow this easy three-step process and now I have a sports car and a beautiful girlfriend or boyfriend and a massive house etc etc yeah they're selling the sizzle not the steak um, and a lot of the time and we'll talk about this later but a lot of the time these get rich quick schemes um, where a certain tool or a certain technique is being sold and really the only person making money is the person teaching that tool or technique um, not the customers or students buying into that 
particular process, we're going to say, no, we're going to step back and we're going to look at online business as a subset of business as a whole, which means we're going to have to spend this week laying down the foundations of what this business is. So the goal of the week is we are going to work out your particular business niche, or if you're in America, your niche. Niche, is that right? Niche, niche? Uh, N-I-C-H-E. I have no idea how it will sound in your, in your uh, language. You might say niche. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be working out what your niche is. We're going to have a written statement. It's going to have to be written down. You can tattoo it on your arm if you want. You can stick it on your wall, but it has to be written down. Uh, a written statement of your niche. Um, and then we're going to, because we have this written statement down, the next steps in building your business become a lot easier because we can keep referring back to that. So when there's a decision of should I be doing this option A or this option B, it becomes a lot easier when we have this kind of north star, this uh, north pole that we can align to and be like, well, okay, according to the statement I have um, of what my business is, what we do, I know what to do. I need to follow option B. It becomes a lot simpler. So it is worth taking the time over this week to get this statement down. Yeah, and that statement will be broken down. So if you think about, all right, Harms Carl, how are you structuring this week and what's going to, what can we look forward to? Well, we're breaking it down into the, the high-level questions and then diving deep into that question. So when determining your statement, as Carl says, which helps you identify the niche area of focus that is going to be your focus um, for building and starting this particular idea and turning it into a business, then we're going to be focusing on a handful of questions. Those are questions which fall into the category of who, what, how, and why. Uh, massively, massively, massively important. Um, and I'll give you a preview of the statement um, so that you mm. know where we're going. It's basically going to be, I help who, the market, to um, to do what and buy how. So yeah. I help uh, yoga teachers attract more clients by showing them how to bring their businesses online. That would be a very simple. We'll, we'd want a more detailed statement than that. But that's as simple as it goes. Most businesses do not have this. They will pick yeah. up any clients who come their way. They'll try anything that happens. Um, they do not have this statement. And if you have those elements of the statement locked down, um, it becomes a lot easier. We're also going to be adding on why. So the why in this particular is why you? Why your business? What are you bringing to the table that means that you are the person who is helping yoga teachers to get more clients by uh, bringing their business online. Why are you the person who's going to be doing that? What's your distinguishing factor? So we have who, we have what, we have how, and then we have why, why you in particular. And mm. these four questions are basically going to be the rest of the week. So we're going to have um, Tuesday will be who, who is serving, who's your market, um, what, as in, what are you bringing to this market? What unit of value, uh, whether it's products or services, are you bringing to this who, the market, in order to um, to, to serve the market? Um, and then, where are we? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday will mm -hmm. be the how. So, what particular products? What particular um, what particular methods and ways are you going to be helping these people? This is when we work out like, the sales funnel, the value ladder, etc. And then Friday, we'll wrap up with why. Why you, you've you got this business um, in place of 
who you're going to be serving, how, uh, what you're going to be serving them, and how you're going to be serving them. But why you in particular? What is it that distinguishes you from the thousand other people who are trying to do the same thing? Um, so these would be the four basic product um, question categories that we'll be covering over the week. And it's going to require uh, reflection on your part. You are going to have to think, unfortunately. It'd be nice if I could just give you a checklist, like one, two, three, four. Okay, yeah, done, gone. But it's going to have to you're going to have to look at your existing business if you have one um, or you need to look at your options for starting a new business and really reflect about what makes sense um, yeah because you could place. because you could have an existing business as it is but it's just too wide so when mm -hmm. we're talking about becoming niche and having a niche statement and serving a niche client now you may look back on your business and say actually when i started this i did have a niche category and then I grew wide and now I no longer have an identity and sales are suffering uh, because of that. Why is that? Because maybe you strayed too far away from the North Star or too far off of your flight path, which is taking you away from the niche, which is where it was way more profitable. Not only profitable, but enjoyable in line with what you was doing in, in terms of actually this is a business I can wake up and work on because that's just as important to help visualize and understand at this point because once you start a business journey or once you start to create a company and a business is going to be a large part of your life. That's yeah. the fact. And it's also going to come with the emotional roller coasters that, that's attached to a business, the time, the sacrifices, um, plus the positive results. So if anybody has started a business talking to those people, you will already know this and appreciate this, which is probably why you're more hesitant to go to actually Put yourself through this exercise again or more hesitant to pivot because you've been through that process and now you may say actually i've got something that's working but it's not working as well as i'd like to but if i change it oh my god i'm going to go back to that place where the effort is required whereas if you are sitting here got a new business by following this process you're going to save time you're going to save money and you're going to save that emotional energy you're going to save that energy which also affects other people whether in your family whether you are a partner um, whether you've got kids, all of that comes into play when building this business. So that also gets factored in here, not specifically in what you're serving, but just think about it in terms of a, okay, when we talk about why in, in you in the future uh, in Friday, we'll also be talking about things like that, which is, is this, uh, you know, the big, most, and one of the most important questions, once you've gone through this week, is this what I would like to be doing for the next six months, for the next year? Um, and that's the, that's going to be the key question, but only once you have this in place, because right now we don't know what you want to be doing. It's like, do I want to have a business? Yes. Um, but what should that business be doing? What needs should it serve? What customers should it serve? How do I want to serve those customers? Those are all unknown answers to then ask that final question is that actually, is this something that I want to commit time to? Um, because there's lots of ways to make money online. Um, lots and lots and lots and lots of ways, lots of marketplaces to enter, but it also is going to align with what you would like to do as well. Um, because this is a conversation of also chasing the cash versus chasing something that you enjoy, which comes along with uh, remuneration as well. So you want to well, choose which path. I think you can do both if you manage to nail the questions we'll be covering this week. If you manage to find your niche where it's profitable, mm. um, you help a lot of people and you enjoy. If you wake up with a spring in your step, jumping out of bed every morning um, to serve this niche, 
I mean, that's great. Like, then your week has gone very well. This, this will be a week very well spent, um, yes. if that's the final outcome, um, which connects to the people who do already have a business. I understand there will be hesitation here. It's like, well, no, I'm, I'm making some money. Um, you know, I'm paying the staff, I'm paying, like, everything's fine. I'm able to pay myself. Why would I want to go through this kind of process? Um, when you have an existing business, an existing product or service, there's always going to be emotional attachment. There's going to be baggage um, attached to it, which is why if you're coming at this fresh, um, you're in a really good position because you can go through the process. We're going to be outlining this week without any of that. You haven't got any of these additional um, emotional connections. If you do have a business, I would recommend applying the process that we're going to be going through either to a new business, maybe a venture you've been thinking about um, starting on the side, or a new project within your existing business. This will allow you to focus on the process more um, without that additional extra baggage. You, you can absolutely do this with your core business. It's just going to be um, a bit trickier. Mm. Um, but th this is going to be up to you. If you can, though, come at it with a, an open mind, and a kind of clean slate. Um, so either a new business or a new project within your existing business, and you'll yeah. get more out this week. And then once you've done it with, you know, a clean new project, maybe then you can start applying these tools to your wider business. That would I love be that. Um, and here's a final big advantage before we dive into this. A, a final big advantage, whether you are, I uh, don't have an idea or business at the moment, or you do, is once you go through this process and you've done it a few times, it becomes a very quick process um, because you've, you've experienced it, you understand the steps, you understand the creative thought involved in it, plus the systematic thought, which is, you know, you're, you're using both sides of the, the hemisphere of the brain at this stage, but it just allows you to do it quicker and quicker and quicker. Um, I mean, we, I was having a conversation with Jean and my wife yesterday. There's ha uh, having gone through some baby preparation stuff, we've just identified niche after niche after niche that exists, uh, that could be exist, like we could tap into online. And we're having a conversation, right, do we enter that niche? Is that something you would like to do? But this week, um, we've just like accelerated through it within a half an hour, 45 minute conversation. Um, and that's the speed it will allow you once once all is said and done, um, well, once you get through this week. And if you were coming at this anew and you didn't have that kind of framework, you might latch onto one idea, like, oh, my God, this is going to be great, and then kind of plug away at it for the next six months or a year before realising, actually, this isn't going to work for whatever reason. Um, mm. We tend to get very attached to ideas, especially people who have not started a business before. They will yeah. Their ideas like a lot this is my big idea um but we're going to be showing you a framework which allows you to take a business idea and quickly run it through a number of steps and at the end come out with a mm, no this isn't going to work or absolutely this is fantastic full steam ahead um mm -hmm. and if you can do that with 10 ideas or if you can do that with 100 ideas then you're going to come out with a lot more um more gold nuggets from that process Whereas if you focused on one idea and you chug through it for the next six months and it doesn't happen to be a good idea because the product doesn't fit the market or the market doesn't exist or whatever the reason, then you've wasted a lot of time. Um, so this is going to be a useful skill that you can apply for your businesses and helping friends, helping acquaintances, helping uh, people you work with, with their ideas as well. Yeah, I, I love that because it's it's actually coming at this from 
an open mind which says, I, I'm not going to get attached to any of my ideas unless it's gone through a process like this, um, like unless it's gone through the baton process that Harms and Carl are going to talk to this week, especially the, the first part, which is business, which means you don't spend six months just thinking about this idea. Then, you, then you're telling your partner, oh, yeah, wouldn't it be great if we started that? Oh, wouldn't it be great? And then you're telling your friends, oh, I've got this cracking business idea. A year's gone down the line. You haven't tested it. We don't know if it's the right thing. Whereas um, you can p- compare that to somebody who comes up with, and these people exist, you know, come up with 10, 20 new ideas every single day. They can quickly anal- analyze them and then move on. 20 ideas, okay, I'm not emotionally, I'm not going to get emotionally attached to any of these because they either don't work, they work and it's not for me, or it's something in between. Whereas mm, it'll work, but I'd have to slug through that one. So that's where we want to get you to a place of where you can identify a niche which you actually love, enjoy, and would like to be a part of. Um, so that's it. That's, I think that's a, a cracking introduction to this week. I just put brings... a quote I want to share very quickly. Yes, go for it. Casey Neistat, ideas are cheap. Ideas are easy. Ideas are common. Everybody has ideas. Ideas are highly, highly overvalued. Execution is all that matters. We're going to be showing you a method um, for executing ideas um, and working out whether they are worth pursuing or not. Um, actually, actually, the whole baton system is about that. It's about execution, taking a business idea, um, which we're going to be refining over this week, and then taking it through stage by stage, um, executing the idea and turning it into a business. Um, so if you are holding on to ideas as the precious, precious babies, that's something that we'll need to, um, you'll need to release your grip a bit because through the process of this week, you might realize that a lot of these ideas don't work uh, mm. for whatever reason, whether it's no market, whether it's um, the products you can create aren't going to serve that market, or maybe you yourself are not right to serve that market. Yeah, all, all the ideas do work. And you haven't had a mechanism to actually test it and execute on the oh, yeah. idea. Or the positive yeah. thing, which is, yeah, yeah it works. Yeah, so, so it could be either. But we, you don't know because you haven't started. And the reason you haven't started is because you haven't got a step-by-step process on how to, how do I analyze this to uh, actually start? Because there's lots of fears associated with it failing. Uh, and we won't get into that. But, you know, a large part of why we don't start the idea and execute it is because we don't have a system and we're also not comfortable with the fact that, shit, I've told everybody about this idea, and if it doesn't work, they're just going to think I'm an idiot. Um, but, that's, yeah, but not with us. If you're hanging out with us, the more ideas you can get through, test, execute on, that's the place to be. Um, so if, you've got, if you're in that frame of mind, come chat to us in the Slack group, and you know, we can help fast forward that for you. Now, I guess let's start with the first important question, which is, what is business what is a business um and yeah. no doubt this has been spoken about in textbooks and textbooks and textbooks and universities and so forth but it's worthwhile checking back in on so this is funny i have an mba from nyu uh, stern at no point did they actually sit us down and say okay this is what a business is so you'd, you'd expect there is a yeah uh, an agreed upon definition um but mm. no if you're doing a master's in business administration at no point do they actually say okay this is what a business is um, so this is a very loaded term for people. Uh, a lot of people will think of business and immediately, immediately they're thinking, you know, Saturday morning cartoon villain, like a guy with a top hat and a moustache. Yeah, yeah. So maybe like an evil corporation chop, chopping down trees and 
to it, getting up to all sorts of dreadful things, spilling oil in the Atlantic or whatever it is, um, a business can have a lot of negative connotations attached to it, especially for people who don't own a business. I'm assuming a lot of the people watching this uh, have got past that, um, if yeah. they ever had those ideas before, because they do want to own a business for whatever reason. It's probably why the, the word entrepreneur became so cool, because an entrepreneur doesn't have those same connotations that yeah. the business... It's, Business owner or businessman. Businessman business is nineteen eighty. It's also gendered, yeah. but it's very nineteen eighties. It's like yeah. American Psycho. Here's my business cards, like mm. nice suit, etc. Yeah, um, we need to kind of get past that because those are value judgments. When we think about it, a businessman um, or a businesswoman, the um, the best definition of a business I've actually found which is ironic, again, because I have an MBA, but the best definition is from a book called The Personal MBA, which is by a guy called Josh Kaufman. Um, he wrote the book as kind of a, yeah, a replacement to getting an MBA, because getting an MBA in America costs around $100,000. Um, you can't work for a couple of years. Yeah, I'm sure you have it there somewhere. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. Um, so oh, it's, it's popping up my laptop. It's there, yeah. Okay, it's so important. <laughs> Um, where's my copy? I think it's in the other room. But so he goes through all of the different concepts of what business is, all all of the different ideas and concepts you need that you would get getting a, an MBA. I think he does a much better job of it. And I say Phenomenal. this as has an MBA. Um, but the first thing he does is define what business is, which <laughs> which as soon as I was reading, it, it's like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and I think when I read that after years of actually being as a part of businesses on various levels as well as an owner i was like oh my goodness it just seems so much clearer now um after having that definition because it's all a blur it's uh it's we, a really hard to we, define thing as well when we think of like the building and the boss and like we think of the owner as like i've said yes yeah. yeah and the headquarters and hr and stuff like mm. that we have this we have a weird um vision of what a business is so i found joff kaufman's uh, definition very useful so i'm just going to read it um mm. the whole of his book is available online you can just search uh, the personal mba and then if you type i guess if you google personal mba defining business it will show up immediately um he's posted every single chapter for free online okay so roughly defined a business is a repeatable process that Let's get the numbers right. This one creates and delivers something of value. That's number one. Number two, that other people want or need. Number three, at a price they're willing to pay. Number four, in a way that satisfies the customer's needs and expectations. Number five, so the business brings in enough profit to make it uh, worthwhile for the owners to continue operation. Great. Let, let me repeat that for them yeah. as, as as like a flowing sentence, because I've just realized it, in the book he presents it as a list, but it is actually a flowing sentence. So uh, roughly defined, a business is a repeatable process that one, creates and delivers something of value. Number two, that other people want and need. And three, at a price they're willing to pay. Number four, in a way that satisfies the customer's needs and expectations. And finally, number five, so that the business brings in enough profit to make it worthwhile for the, the owners to continue operating that business. So I think that's that's fantastic. It's just so clean in terms of a definition. 
And then he goes on. Um, I think this part's important too. He says, um, at the core, every business is fundamentally a collection of five interdependent processes, each which for flows into the next. So they come one after another, um, but they are all connected. You need to do one, then two, then three. So one is value creation, discovering what people need or want, then creating it. Two, marketing, attracting attention and building demand for what you've created. Three, sales, turning prospective customers into paying customers. Four, value delivery, giving your customers what you've promised and ensuring they're satisfied. And five, finance, bringing in enough money to keep going and to make your efforts worthwhile. The core of all of this is a business is something that creates a unit of value, that's a product or a service, and it provides it to a market who wants that product or service. Mm, yeah. If you do not have um, the value, i.e. a product or a service, there's nothing for you to sell. There's no value for you to provide. That's one, product. Two, there needs to be a market for this product. It's all well and good if you've created something wonderful, um, but nobody is interested in it, and you're the only person who's interested in it. That's not a business. That's a hobby. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. Um, so you need to create something of value that people are interested in, but not only interested in, they need to three, be willing to pay you for it. Yeah. yeah. So you might have created something that people are very happy to take for free, um, but that's again, not a business. That's a charity at that point. You mm. are creating and giving something. Lots of people want it. They're like, yeah, this is great. This is great. It's great. And then as soon as you say, okay, that'll be five pounds. They're like, I don't want it. I don't want it. It was free. Yeah, yeah, it's much better free. I don't want it that much. Yeah, that's a charity. If you're you're creating something and giving it away for free, that's fine. It's just not a business. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's number three: sales. You need to be able to sell those people who are interested uh, your product. And then four, you need to actually follow up on what it is that you promised. So your product needs to be valuable. Um, you need to deliver it to the people you've promised to deliver it to, and they've paid you for it. And then you need to make sure whatever they're paid for, they're actually happy with, um, and it works. It does. Uh, it delivers whatever value they expected. If you miss this step, you are a fraudster. So you've got you've created a product. You have got people uh, excited about it. They've given you money for it, and then you do not deliver it. Hmm. Uh, you've sold you've sold them something which doesn't exist, or you've it doesn't meet the spec. Yeah, overpromised. Doesn't meet the spec, um, or they return it and say. This is not what you advertise. It looked amazing on your e-commerce website. Yeah, but when your marketing it came, was great. Your sales were great. Yeah, fantastic. But it's not. Uh, and, and that is also a big, big challenge that people face. They get to step four, and then they get the customer needs and expectations back, and they are way off. They are, like, misaligned completely. They're, this is what you were selling. This is what they got. Whereas what Josh Hoffman saying is, this is what you're selling, and this is what they get. It should be in perfect harmony and sync. Absolutely. Yeah. Hand, hand lining up there. So, and then the final step of that is, all right, you've created something of value. You found people who are interested in what it is you've created. You have sold it to them. They're willing to pay you money. You have also delivered the product and they're happy with it. They like what you have delivered. They love that value. The last part is um, finance. Have you managed to sell it to them at a price that men, means you've made a profit? You could have done all of these things. You've sold it. Um, you've sold your product for £100 to thousands of people. They're really happy. They love what you've done. But it's costing you £200 to make and deliver that product. Mm. 
that's not a business. You, you've just lost a lot of money. Um, so that's the final step. It needs to make economic sense for you to continue operating. Um, yeah. So it needs to be profitable after all the costs, after your staffing, after your production, after inventory, whatever. Um, you need to have enough money left for it to be worthwhile for you to keep growing. Yeah, and, and that, that thing there, which is, you know, the, the cost of something, the price at which you sell it at, and the profit you make, it's just something that is often, again, overlooked. It's often missed. It's like a fundamental practice which they don't talk about, you know, price your product, whatever somebody else is pricing it at. That's a common thing that's that's floating around at the moment. So uh, what's the, what's the competition doing? Price it at that. Whereas pricing in itself is a massive topic. Um, yes. But to keep it simple, the profit needs to be there in order to, one, continue operating like it says. And operating can mean, uh, Josh Cotton will expand on this, which is also uh, reinvestment, which is uh, reapplication of those profits into a new project, into a new idea. Yes. So the profit is massively important in the business. It's, um, it's for growth. It's not just to pay yourself and be like, oh, okay, that was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to keep stepping up. Yeah. And growth can, again, growth can come in lots of different ways. So don't feel overwhelmed. Like, I don't want a big company. It's, it's Growth can come in many, many different forms. Um, and if you look back to number four, it could be the fact that you're growing and building on that customer's satisfaction and expectation. So anyway, that's us diving into lots of different elements. The, yeah. Because... Yeah, yeah. yeah, we only need to focus on the first two this week. So roughly put, um, the Baton system that we have created, the Baton framework, basically follows this, not quite, uh, it's a little bit different, but we have business, audience, tribe, offer, and network. So business is what we're going to be talking about this week, which aligns with the first two of uh, Josh Kaufman's... um, business definitions. So we're creating and delivering something of value. That's a product that other people need or want. That is the market. That's what we're focusing on this week, product and market. Um, and then the rest of it, ATON, that's that kind of aligns with sales, uh, value, sorry, marketing, sales, value delivery and finance. Um, but we're not going to be talking about them yet so this week is all about that product and that market Mm. now you might may have heard of the term product market fit Um, that's going to be the core if we can find the product market fit um, for your niche then we're quids in basically product market fit just to give a very quick definition is um, it's fine you can have a product Um, let's say I've made this telephone and it's a good product it works it does what needs to Um, having the product by itself is nothing unless i also have a market that is interested in whatever that product is so you need both you cannot just have a product without a market otherwise you're going to end up with boxes and boxes of whatever your product is Um, and vice versa if there's a big market there's a market that wants to be serviced but you don't have a product you are also not in the game um, I can look at a market and be like, oh, that looks like a good market. But unless I have a product or a service, I am able to provide them. And unless I have value, I'm able to put into that market. I'm not in business. So you and that's, need and that's where we agree. And that's where we talk about the execution part. So, hey, I've got an idea. There's a market there and I'm not executing on that. And here's, here's a, a, a word of caution as well. No amount of money or finance that you throw at a market that doesn't exist you may have an idea that you think is cracking but if the market doesn't exist no amount of money or finance 
um, that you throw at that will help you override that process. And what I mean by the process is the concept of a product and a market fitting together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's if that's don't a, want it, then they don't want it. Like correct. And I don't I don't mean in the sense that you know you can get a startup round uh, a startup round of funding. I don't mean a big bank loan. But this is even even at the fundamental level, which is look, I've got five thousand, ten thousand, fifteen thousand pounds of savings, and I'm going to throw it at this market in whatever form that is. And one of the most dangerous forms is typically advertising. I'm going to advertise in this marketplace, and they're going to love my product. So again, it can that when I say no amount of money, it can mean small amounts, or it could mean the giant amounts. Which... Also, the dragon's den issue as well. So on mm. dragon's den, you see people who have spent maybe a decade in their garage making the product they have the product they haven't thought for a moment whether there's a market for the product so they come in they show their product they're like, look how great it is it does this and this and this and this and then the first question is well have you got anyone who's buying it uh, how many people are interested in this um is there a market basically that that's what the question is that's what they tend not to think about they're so engrossed and immersed in the product that when it comes to actually looking outside and seeing if anyone gives a damn about what they've done um, a lot of entrepreneurs or business owners collapse at this stage. Agreed. So that, that leads us nicely on to what are we trying to do here? What we're trying to do is find a niche that we can then market so that we have a, a niche idea, i.e. the product, and we have the market that exists because we've qualified it. We've gone out there, we've tested to see if the market exists. So what we really want to be focusing on is actually finding your niche and you're going to hear that term a lot within we're online business. We're talking more about it tomorrow, but we should introduce mm. it today. I just want to introduce the concept today because you'll hear it a lot within business because in the early days of online business and the World Wide Web, there wasn't a lot happening on there. So you could have built that traction if you had a looser term. When I mean term, I mean the statement that we're, we're remember the goal here is we're, we're creating a niche statement to serve a specific audience, a focused audience. Now, nowadays, the online world is massive. It is big. It is noisy. There is a lot of big players serving large parts of the market, but there is still lots of untapped niche parts of that market that exist. So this week is going to be focused on and i'm just introducing the concept here is going to be focusing on finding your specific niche that you can focus on take your idea and market it and turn that into profit uh, once you work through the baton model um, because there's a whole there's a whole blue ocean versus red ocean philosophy here and carl do you want to expand on mm. you, what what that is for the audience so if we went for a really large niche or a large market like health, that's too big. Mm. Nowadays, you can't go for something that large um, because of the internet, because of how media um, is now structured. Everything's been fragmented. I was thinking about this the other day in the UK. Like one of our biggest fitness and health um, instructors um, is a guy called Joe Wicks. He does, mm. um, is he vegan? Uh, cook- I think he does cook- health cooking. It's just yeah. like health food cooking. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah health cooking and exercise and stuff like that. He's like the biggest name at the moment, but even he has picked a niche. Um, he's narrowed it down to the quick meals that could be made in 15 minutes. 15 minutes, yeah. Uh, and mainly plant-based. Um, he does a lot of stuff with kids and stuff like that. So even 
previously in the 1980s or some before you could have one individual who could just dominate a whole market that's no longer the case anymore um, everything's so fragmented because we have so many different um, ways to consume media like the last big show which everybody watched was friends on god where was friends fox fox i i, I mean we watched it and box it or whatever when by the time we got here friends was probably the last big show that everybody in the world watched. So you can reference, you can reference friends now and people get it. Like if you're in the Philippines or, yeah. uh, or if you're in South America, like people will get that. That is no longer the case um, because TV is a good example, fragmented into so many different channels. I mean, now we have streaming services, people are consuming their media all over the place. It's impossible for anyone to make that much impact anymore. Um, yeah, and for that length of time. So I'm thinking friends is a great example. Simpsons is a great example there were some older shows which where the where the media wasn't that large um uh, soaps uh, old school so eastenders that kind of thing even, even that's national like that's national agree so, so that's niched into a national factor yeah that's a yeah. good point so, so as like i guess the only global ones are things like the avengers movies um mm. they're the only kind of thing and the, the budgets on those are in the billions like yes. billions of spent on marketing them so we're not looking at that level basically the idea of mass media and mass markets has been demolished because now we have so many different options we can be consuming media and listening to experts and making purchases on so many different platforms that the idea of just being everything to everyone it, it doesn't work it no longer exists Correct. so we, what we what we can do though is it just a quick so you can so you understand what we can do is now we can speak directly because we have access to them directly into people's interests which are can be very specific so rather than me having and i mean there's so many great examples so it's like going from coca-cola into now these niche um sort of fizzy drink soft drink brands that pop up which are boutique and somebody would i, mean, I would rather pay extra for let's use an example a karma cola i've no idea who it's owned by but a karma cola which is like an organic cola versus Coca-Cola now. <laughs> the general coca-cola as an example they put well this is what happens right so i mean if karma cola got purchased depending on their their value and ethics or whatever they may say yep that's the purpose of creating this business we had an idea it was to appeal to people who like cola but they want it organic they want it fair trade they want it um that it doesn't have the d big dark enterprise identity that coca-cola does so that's they created a niche there and also this is happening, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> happening in the, the beer the beer and beverage industry massively um yeah brixton brewery or brixton, so i am from brixton which is in south london and brixton brewery or brixton beer was a big brand but they got purchased two a year ago mm. uh 51 by heineken nice. um, so yeah. Anyway, we're, we're going well, off. Lots and lots of examples, and, and there will be lots of examples of this, but now is an amazing time to be able to do this because let's assume that the Red Ocean is what Coca-Cola used to be or a company like that or the Friends series used to be. Now, what we are identifying is the, the blue spots. The, when we say blue ocean, we mean there's a market that exists. The Red Ocean means there's no market. But yeah. because yeah. of the way media has changed in, in the way we can now speak to people, we can speak to their interests and they have a choice on what they now consume, purchase, buy, interact with. 
Whereas before, we didn't really, we had a choice, but it was very limited, and that was really because of the distribution of media channels available. Yeah, but previously there were gatekeepers, so if you wanted to get in front of an audience, you would have to pay a lot of money to be on CBS's adverts or Channel 4's adverts. Whereas now, we have the tools at our disposal to reach out directly to our niche. So mm. the main thing here is you need to change the way you think. If your business statement, um, what we'll be going through this week, if in your head you're like, oh yeah, this is applicable for everybody. No, it's not, not anymore. That mm -hmm. is not how the landscape works. You need to be able to niche down and find your people, the people who are gonna be interested in you, the people who are going to buy from you. Um, and this requires a massive mind shift, mind shift, shift. Mind Mindset shift. Mindset shift, there we go. Um, so we need to be more like QVC. So I'm just thinking, who, who was the first gatekeeper to allow niche ideas in terms of speci more specifically niche products onto um, their platform. So QVC is a shopping channel. So every country would probably have their version of that, but you yeah. log onto the channel and then you start to see all of these unique ideas, which don't appeal to the masses, but they appeal to a segment of the masses. And then you, you phone them up. Great. They'll they'll ship out and then the QVC, which is the gatekeeper, yeah, so home, make, shopping. Cut. home shopping. Um, that was the first place to almost put niche ideas onto the. I, onto the I stage. love how you said you log on to QVC. It's like nope. No, actually, you don't you log on. You do not log on. It's a different world. Um, you change the channel. Yeah, yeah. this is yeah. a good example. So the main thing for you sitting at home is we need to define this niche. If you just say, "Oh, I do health stuff," or "I help people lose weight," it's like, no, that's that's too wide. We we need a statement like, "I help males aged between forty and um, fifty-five to lose their beer gut that they've built up over years of working in the professional sector." Blah blah blah. It needs to be extremely yeah. uh, niche and narrow. And we need to know who those people are that we're serving. Um, but because of the internet, we can directly target them. We can directly talk to those particular people. So while it sounds like we're saying make your business smaller, we're not. We're saying make it more focused. Find that niche and um, serve those people. Like just blow their minds with the specificity of your product. And you'll find there's going to be more than enough um, within that niche. We will talk about niche sizing, et cetera, tomorrow. Um, yeah. But instead of going wide and selling to nobody because you're trying to sell everything to all people and it doesn't work, we're going to go micro niche and sell a lot to a small group and then we can grow from there. Yeah, At least what we want is, agree. And so what we want is, at the, certainly at the early stages, is a audience size which is as small as possible but still viable. I, we're not talking about two people but we're talking about a size which is applicable, which will still generate a profit and allow you to operate. So that's the key. So we link back to the fundamentals there. The smallest possible audience that we can find, the better, because we can we can talk directly to them. You have this problem because you've just left your career after 40 years and you've been sitting in an office chair in the city of London. And now you need to get back your like skeletal structure, try to reset your skeletal structure. I'm talking to your problem that you have, um, and I want to serve you. I don't care about somebody who's even outside of London. I don't care about somebody who's been working in the office for two years. I'm interested in people who've been working in the office for 40 years. As an example, smallest possible viable audience that we can be, we can and serve and still be profitable. Imagine receiving that message instead of a generic message, which is back pain, question mark. Yeah. Like, like, 
the closer you can speak to people's problems, the more we'll be able to serve them, and the more profit there will be. And we'll talk about niche sizing tomorrow. Absolutely. So that, that's niche market. We've also started, you know, the next the note we had was, you know, examples of niches. We've actually started to talk about that. We've given examples which are not really on our, our notes, but ones yeah, that yeah. people may understand. The only thing I wanted to highlight was that you can make a profitable uh, business in some really weird niches. There's a, there's a website called Niche Hacks, which I'd recommend you have a look at. So the guy, I think he's called Stuart, I forget his name. Great, great website. Yeah, he, he basically goes through the data for various um, niches online, and he finds them from a data-driven point of view, and he finds some really weird ones. Uh, I read a whole report that he released about backyard chickens, which is basically raising chickens in inner-city environments. So if you're living in London, you might have a couple of chickens for eggs, um, and this is a really big, thriving niche, and it's extremely obscure. Um, but one of the biggest forums, one of the biggest groups, has about four hundred thousand members, all discussing like how to raise chickens in in New York City and in London. Like, there's there's a niche here of something that, at first glance, if if I said, oh, you should set up a business in you know chicken farming in the inner city, you'd be like. Oh, what the hell are you talking about? Um, but Niche Hacks goes through uh, lots of potential niches and draws out some very obscure examples. Mm-hmm. I'm just going for the list now, and there's some wacky ones. But also, there's ones, and I was, the reason I jumped into the list is, there's ones which directly are what me and my wife spoke about yesterday around baby preparation. There we go. Have a look at his, um, have a look at his uh, analyses, because he goes through the data. Yeah, I'll check that out. It's fantastic. Really cool um, stuff. Um, but one warning here don't go on there looking for a niche for you to follow so in harms's um uh, example here that's great because they're already thinking oh this would be a cool thing to do then you can go into niche hacks and see oh okay here's all the data maybe this, this is worth pursuing don't just go on the site thinking i need a business so i need a niche therefore i'll just scroll through this list and this one looks good um mm. you need you need to be genuinely interested in it like if yeah, I, you won't see you won't see it through yeah and if i was to start up an urban chicken ebook publishing business like i, I don't have chickens um there's <laughs> so no it, experience whatsoever yeah, it, yeah. it wouldn't work and we're going to be talking about that over the week it's like just because you have identified a market uh, or in this case niche hacks has identified a market just because there is a market and just because you can maybe put together a product doesn't mean that you are the right person to serve mm-hmm. this market um so go there have a look around because it's interesting to see some of the weird and extremely specific niches that ex- exist, which are profitable, uh, but don't go there just to shop. Um, and, uh, and I apologize in advance if, again, we haven't identified what is weird, but if you happen to come across something which is not weird to you, but we, we, we may see it as weird, don't be offended. That is, that is the fa- that just helps you mean that you've even got a niche. Like you've, you've, you've pushed aside me and Kyle and trust me, we're, we're a bit weird as well. So yeah, weird is not the word. It's uh, non-mainstream, or mm. I guess niche, niche. Niche is the right word. Niche is the right word. Uh, weird is just our opinion of that category. But it was weird to us. is not weird to somebody else. What well, it's clearly has a audience size which is waiting to be served. Backyardchickens.com um, has four hundred thousand members. So even if I think that's an odd, odd thing to do, they don't. They so don't. who cares what I think? Guess what any individual thinks there's, there's 400,000 people who, who who say actually guys that's not weird you are the weird ones because you don't have backyard chickens you buy your own eggs idiot <laughs> <laughs> yeah you buy your own eggs what donut anyway um so 
when we're talking about niche, we're talking about a section, a subsection of a section of a section. We're, we're going down, 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 down um, into something extremely specific. Yeah. Uh, we're going to be going through tomorrow how we actually do that. Um, but it's just important to know we are looking for this niche uh, for your particular business, what you're going to be ser serving. As soon as we start saying this, uh, there are certain concerns that pop up. So I just want to quickly address them. Yeah, let's talk about, okay, let's talk about the concerns. Um, and or, or concerns also a bit of a bit of myth busting um, because, uh, and also just pre like just preconceptions people have when we talk about this topic. Um, I think that's definitely worth talking about. So yeah, please, you kick off with concern number one uh, and I'll jump in. Sure, the first one we kind of touched on is that the niche is too small. Um, mm. with, so, what if be, my niche is too small? Yeah. yeah is, if it's two people, yes, that's too small. Um, what we're going to be showing you tomorrow is how you size a niche, how you get to a, a sensible size. However, even if your niche is a thousand people, we've talked about this in previous um, yeah in previous weeks. Even if you can get a thousand people paying you thirty quid a month, that's thirty thousand pounds a month. Like, even if it's a very small group of people that you yeah. can address, if you can provide enough value. You can generate a lot of revenue and a lot of yeah. profit. Um, generally, we'll go for a niche size of about a million. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Um, but I would say a lot of people worry about a niche being too small, whereas the real problem here is a niche being too big. Um, Massive problem. Yeah. Um, so it's a much better problem to have to be in a position where you dominate your niche, you're making lots of sales, you're making money and you've saturated that market. From there, you have the cash and the clout and the power to grow into other niches. That's much better than starting wide, not selling anything, nobody recognizing you for being an expert, nobody knowing who you are. Um, from there, there's nothing you can do. You don't have a business. It's better mm -hmm. to start narrow, nail this, and then we can expand out. So, yeah, and, and, and there's some practical things that come along with that, which is the whole, you know, we're creating an online business here. We're creating a systemizable business because what happens when you go too wide and you do get a handful of customers? And we face this challenge as well within our agency, which is, okay, customer one wants this. Customer two wants something slightly different. Customer three wants something slightly different. Customer four wants slightly something different. Now, that's a practical and logistical challenge as well because where, where do you draw your energy to? Um, so that, that's also the issue. Whereas if we niche down, Customer one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten plus all want exactly the same thing. They have exactly the same expectations, and it becomes so much more simpler for you to build this out. Um, so I think that's remember in Josh Kaufman's yeah. Um, the fourth thing is value delivery. Giving the customer what you promised to ensure that they're satisfied. If you have a extremely precise um, definition of what it is you provide and this is all we provide and this is the cost then people are much more likely to be satisfied with your service yeah. whereas if yeah yeah we can do that we can do that and you're rummaging around and trying to customize um there's more likelihood that whatever you deliver is not going to be up to par yeah and it also becomes difficult to scale and get to that point where you can now enter a new niche um it just that that just seems like a distant um a, a beautiful idea but it's just so far away that we just can't get there because we are now so far off course on our flight plan to have got to a specific niche. Um, so that's concern number one. Is my niche too small? My niche is too small. Um, I don't I don't think there's going to be enough people who 
care about it. Like that's that's a genuine concern. So hopefully that answers that question. Now, concern number two, which is, is almost a question that comes after this is, how will I know if it's the right niche? Um, I think it's the right niche, but I appreciate what you guys are saying, that we can take a data-driven approach, a gut feel, some instinctive approach, but there's got to be some information out there which can help me find this answer, Harms and Carl, is that fair? So how will I know if it's the right niche? Well, the market will determine this. And what do we mean by that is it means if we go to number two, let me scroll up, number three. People will pay you for it. So try to think in, in the in the business definition, what does this what what answers this question within the business defini- definition is number three. It was when somebody will pay you for it, we then say, oh wow, okay, there's there's a there's a need here. The, the niche has a marketplace. And then when multiple people pay you for it, now you know you're onto something. Now you know you've got the right niche. Um, does that answer the question? Any any few items to add there? Yeah, it's when people hand over cash. So people will tell you they like what you're doing. They'll tell you that, yeah, I'll buy it when, you know, when it's ready. Or yeah. um, they, will, they will very easily make those promises, but it's not until they actually hand over cash that it matters. Um, so Sony, I've got, a note here that Sony famously they did a uh, focus group market research where they were showing people um, different Walkmans and they had this bright yellow one. I don't know if you remember it back. From I used to have one. Yeah, bright yellow. I think it, you could go scuba diving with it or something like that, whatever it was, but it was bright yellow. Um, they'd have it on the table with all the other Walkmans and they'd get people in and say, Hey, what do you think of the yellow one? And everyone would be like, it's great. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I'd look so cool with that yellow Walkman. Um, and then at the end, the end of the market research, they're like, oh, okay. Um, oh, by the way, you can take any, you can take any of the uh, items you want for free. And they, nobody would take the yellow one. <laughs> People will tell you one thing. Um, yeah. They would do something else. And then if you introduce money to the equation, it's even more different. Um, yeah. I did a competition in New York this ages ago called the Lean Startup Machine. And it's a three or four day hackathon where you come up with a product, you get a, a mid, like a basic version of it ready, and you um, you have to prove that there is a market for it. We won that competition because we actually went out into Times Square and got money off people. We said, this is your idea. Um, it's We haven't made it yet, but we will take your details. If you give us a dollar, we will send you the first, um, like, uh, the first version of this product as soon as it's ready. Nice. Um, we, we made like $15. We got people to actually give us cash. Um, we took videos of them giving us cash. And then we went back and we did our presentation. Everyone else had collected email addresses or everybody else had collected people saying, yeah, yeah, I'm interested in it. I'd, I'd love to do this. Whereas we were able to get, you know, 15 grimy dollars out of our out of a wallet and say, we got 15 bucks. So it doesn't matter what the other ideas were or how good the ideas were or how much... Um, how much the market signaled that they're interested it's only when people hand over cash that you actually know that you mm. know that it's going to work i love uh, that yeah, yeah. And, and a scaled up version of that is um if you think okay how is that applicable well that's what carl and his experiment there did in times square is that's the same thing elon musk does with tesla you've got to drop a thousand pound uh pre-order deposit way before the product's even available to the marketplace and i mean that's a result. That's a clear indicator that the market is ready to purchase. 
because they have given you cash. So there's no better indicator than that. Yeah. Every, everybody's saying to you, oh my God, that's such a great idea. That sounds amazing. Oh, I can't wait to support you. Like that's all great, but it's the hard like, cash which counts. Yeah. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> oh, what, well, talk to me next week. Like, yeah, that's that's the thing. That's the, that's the key here. So from a practical point of view, we're going to be using something called the lean methodology, which is basically we get the most basic version of the product ready as soon as possible, and we take it to market. We ask mm. for money based on this. Obviously, a lot less money because um, it's not the final version. But this allows us to gauge whether the market is actually interested in what we're what we're selling um, or not. And it allows us to do this without spending six months or 12 months producing the final product and then taking it to market. Um, yeah. yeah, because what we don't want to do is keep that simple, is we don't want to say, I'm going to take six months, 12 months to find out if this is the right niche. What we want to do is go through as many right niches as possible. Right, okay, that didn't work. Okay, that didn't work. Okay, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. So we want to be testing as many niches as possible within that six months versus testing one for the whole six months. That's the that's the whole post. That's the whole core basis of the lean methodology. Let's um, I, I detach ourselves emotionally from our ideas, but let's quickly go through ideas that work. Find out there's, there's not a good niche works. Maybe I didn't enjoy that one. It, and that's the post we we want to we want to run through. Um, it's into the third concern actually is hmm. okay what if I, what if i'm in the wrong niche what if <laughs> what if i've taken the product to people and they're like nah i'm not interested what what then hmm. um so this is why we use minimum viability products this is why we use basic versions and we get them to market quickly because they are faster and cheaper if we did spend six months as Han just said building a product then release it to market and everybody's like no i'm not really interested we've wasted six months. Whereas if we build a product in a week or two, a really stripped down basic version of the product, we take it to people and they say, mm, no, I'm not interested. We've only wasted a week or two. So we can do something in lean startup. It's called pivot. Um, we take that information and we make a change. And a lot of the time you can retain a lot of core elements of the previous version. Um, so let's say I'm doing backyard chickens. Nobody cares about the backyard chickens. Uh, I'm not able to sell anything. I've made a guide, a nice PDF guide, and everyone's like, nah, I'm not interested. I might pivot to backyard bees, for example. Mm. So make your own honey at home. Um, obviously, it's different, but the, the basic product idea yeah, is yeah. Um, so you'd pivot into a different market, or you'd change your product, um, but you make these experiments small, you make them survivable, so you're not spending £10,000 developing a product only to find out that nobody wants it. Instead, you're spending a bit of time, maybe a few hundred pounds tops, um, and then trying it out. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so so that's, that, that's the, the final big concern which comes up, which is what if I am in the wrong niche? Um, so Carl's said it great there. Well, the best way to do that is if we do find ourselves in the wrong niche, we just pivot. And the reason we can pivot is because we kept the experiment, that's the word to write down here, we kept the experiment small. And as we're talking about today is we kept the experiment niche. You know, we didn't try to appeal to everybody with this experiment. We appealed to a small group of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it didn't work. Okay, let's move, let's move, let's pivot, let's pivot, let's pivot. Um, and that's the key. Um, so that's the three main concerns. So we spoke about, is the niche too small? 
how will I know if it's the right niche and what if I am stuck in the wrong niche or uh, spend some time and I'm in the wrong niche, what do I do then? So that's the typical concern. So hopefully by answering that, you're now ready to work through this process this week with us. Uh, and then we've got a final word of warning, which we'll just spent a couple of minutes on, which is a note on differentiating this process to a common, uh, I, the, the title which floats by is Get Rich Quick. Um, uh, that's, yeah, let, let's just call it Get Rich Quick for now. Um, but, but believing or thinking that a Get Rich Quick uh, tool or technique is going to be the answer here. Whereas actually, no, let's start with a principle, which is let me identify my niche first. And actually, maybe these tools and techniques can help. Um, that's the thing. Because what, what kind of tools and techniques are people uh, pushing out there at the moment? Oh, I mean, there's a lot of them. The big ones right now would be Fulfilled by Amazon, FBA, Affiliate Marketing, Kindle Publishing, Dropshipping. Mm. Uh, uh, I mean, there's a lot. Um, social media marketing, I guess, but that's a very broad one. So we get a question a lot, which is, oh, which online business should I start? And generally, when people ask that, what they mean is, oh, should I sell things on Amazon or should I do affiliate marketing or should I publish Kindle ebooks or something like that? Yeah. Those aren't businesses. Those are tools and techniques which can be used by business, but they are not in and of themselves businesses. Yeah. So if somebody says which, which business is best, um, selling stuff on Amazon or selling stuff on eBay, I will say, well, neither. Neither of those are businesses. They're just yeah. tools. Yeah. So it's the wrong question to be asking. Um, it's That's not to say that these tools or techniques do not work. You just need to know how you're using them in the context of what your actual business is. Yeah, um, because if, 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 say, for example, we find our niche product, and we're like, okay, we love this, this is, this is it, we've tested it, we've got a market for it, then we might start using a technique like drop shipping or fulfilled by Amazon in order to help get these products out. For example, mm. um, if, if I'm doing backyard hens or backyard chickens, um, I might start to sell chicken coops as one of my products um, connected to this business. And I might use Fulfilled by Amazon or whatever it is to drop ship chicken coops to people. There's nothing yeah. wrong with dropshipping itself. There's nothing wrong with Fulfilled by Amazon itself. It's just it needs to exist within an actual business. Yeah. If, if anything, those tools and techniques help facilitate our business. And once you know what the business is, then of course, go ahead and master Fulfilled by Amazon. Make sure you know it inside out. That's, that's, a, that's no doubt. But don't believe or don't feel like that is going to be the answer. That's going to be the magic pill which creates your business. That's, not, that's just something that helps facilitate the business. Um, same as Kindle book publishing or ebook publishing. That is the way we get our business niche idea out and helps facilitate that process. The fact that we're publishing Kindle books is not the business itself. I think that's the, that's the key message here. Um, so what's the, what's the right question to be asking? Um, so the question is fine, which business should I start online? It's just we need to know what a business is. And that's mm -hmm. why we talk about the definition of what a business is. So that when we're looking at something like fulfilled by Amazon or drop shipping, we can know in our head, well, okay, that's not actually a business. That's just a methodology. That's just a tool. That's mm. all. So the question, what business should I start online is fine. Um, as long as we know what we mean by business. So what yeah. value I create? How can I find back to this? Yeah. Yeah. What value am I creating? How am I getting 
sorry, um, are there people who are interested in that value? Are there people interested enough to buy that value from me? How will I be delivering that value? And can I deliver that value and sell it for enough money um, so that there is a sustainable business there? These are the bigger questions. Um, mm. And then your answer might be backyard chickens. I, that, that's going to be the, the answer to what business should I start online? It would be, okay, your niche should be um, helping people to raise chickens in their backyard for their eggs. That's going to be the answer, not dropshipping or, yeah. or Kindle. Yeah, fill your boots with the tools and techniques once you've nailed down this week. This is going to be fundamental to actually allowing those tools to feel like they were successful tools or worth the investment or worth, worth the learning investment or the fact that you have to pay a, a facilitator to make that happen or whatever that is. Allow this week to be the foundation. Plug and plug a viable product, plug, a, plug something that somebody wants into that tool and technique and then you'll start to see the results. Um, okay, so we've covered a lot today. What is a business? What are we talking about this week? The concepts of a product and market fit, examples of niches out there. How do we how, how do we go from speaking to everybody to speaking to a few people, but still having a profitable business off the back of it? We've talked, we've covered and answered some typical concerns people have when discussing a niche idea or business. Hey, hey, I can actually appeal to everybody, um, but what if it's too wide what if there's a what if that market's not the right one what if it's the wrong one what if it's too small all of those kind of concerns which are all understandable and we do appreciate that that's why we we've dropped them in the show today to help you help answer those questions now the outcome of the week today's been a very much an introduction defining business understanding where we are as part of our online business creation process and by out, by by me outlining the week we're going to be discussing what we're going to be covering uh, going into Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whether you're listening to some video or audio, we're going to be doing something fundamental, which is working towards a goal, which is by the end of the week, we're going to have a statement. And that statement is, I help who, i.e. I help someone to do what, to do something through how, you know, what is a mechanism that you're doing that through so that they can get what results, X, Y, Z results. So that is the statement and the goal that we're going to be covering. And then finally, one of the most important questions, again, which not a lot of people ask, why me? So that's going to, we'll be talking about that on Friday. Why am I the person to be talking through this niche? Do I like it? Do I love it? All of these kind of important questions will help guide you through as well. Um, so once you've got that solid statement, we can then execute. We can then start to test we can start to test into who the market is, what value we provide, and how, in which I mean, what, what I mean by that is in the means in which we provide that value. So that's the key. We, we work through this process. You can use it again and again and again into the future, but then we can start to use it as exciting experiments rather than, oh my God, it's going to take me a whole week to do this. Once you nail this once, it's not going to take you a whole week. It's going to be extremely, extremely quick. So tomorrow we'll be jumping straight into the who part and that will be the focus of tomorrow. Who exactly are we going to provide value for? So we're going to be answering the first part, that um, that value statement that we're putting together, the problem statement, the niche statement we're putting together, which is I help who. And by tomorrow, we'll have that first part. Amazing. So anything else to add, Carl? I would just say that it might seem like a lot of work to go through a whole week just to end up with one sentence. 
But that sentence, that statement of what your business is, is going to be so, so important. Think of it as a the essence of a business plan. Um, lots of people will write a 100-page business plan. And it's full of lots of charts and tables, and it looks really official. That's great if you're taking it to a bank, um, trying to get you know financing. But at its essence, all businesses can be boiled down to this, this one statement, this sentence. And if you can get that statement by the end of this week, your success is going to be a lot easier moving forward. Yeah. It's the spine. It's the yep. foundation. Yeah, it's it's the it's the key, key, key element. Yeah, yeah. Um, Even if it looks super simple, um, if you put thought and work into each of those um, elements, each of those parameters within this statement, it's going to be an extremely valuable um, asset moving forward. Mm, absolutely. Uh, and it makes everything me and Carl talk about on the BBO show so much easier when you've got this statement whatever we talk about can be applied to that statement, whatever. And, that, and that's the key. It's so, it's so extremely powerful. So on, on that note, remember, subscribe to the BBO show so you don't miss it. We're every day, Monday to Friday on YouTube. And then we're streaming live thereafter onto other platforms as well. If you want to talk to us about anything we speak about, number two, come join us in the Slack group. It's currently free. It's private. You can come chat to myself and Carl and a group of other people. That's in the description below as well. And finally, don't forget, we've got a public list and an ebook, which is a guide. It's part of a series of guides which will be being released. But this one's specifically helping you with 200 plus different ways to generate income online, just using your laptop and a Wi-Fi connection. It's an incredibly powerful list if you've researched. And we've also got commentary within each category. So enjoy that. And we shall see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow.